0: I'm Scott Sanders.
1: And I'm Madeline Galea. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel centered ministry each week.
0: Now, Maddie, there was a little bit of banter about shoes. You know, last time I was on the visual, you know, One Thing podcast, I wore sneakers, and uh, Tom, our our producer, wasn't very happy. I've put on better shoes today.
1: They're they're, they're looking good. They're nice shoes.
0: Um, So, the visual element, guys, I'm still getting used to it. Let's just say. I'd much prefer to come to you just with the uh, with the audio.
1: Can people give feedback in the comments? <laughs> no, they can give
0: feedback. <laughs> the other one, one thing's brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. Uh, we have seen 100 church plans supported over the last 10 years and we want to see a further 200 churches supported over the next few years. Uh, it's a big vision, a vision that wants to see new churches start because new churches reach new people. Um, so we'd love you to be praying, uh, praying for that vision. And if you're in a local church, yeah, tap someone on the shoulder and encourage them to get assessed. Today's episode of The One Thing is going to be focusing uh, not on church planning, uh, but on uh, on revitalization. And we've got Brian Vastra. So, uh, Brian, welcome uh, to, the, to The Hi. One Hi. Thing. Hi, guys. We're going to be focusing on revitalization, but but Brian could equally talk about church planning as well. I, I met Brian... Um, when I first started Geneva Push sort of uh, 10, 11 years ago at a Vision 100 conference in Tassie, uh, in, mm-hmm. uh, in Homart, in Kingston Church. So the the Vision 100 network,
2: tell us just a little bit about that yeah. and, uh, and also why you're so passionate about planting. A uh, bit of background. I, when I first went to Tassie, it was my first charge down there. And uh, I thought, actually, I need someone to help me you know, sort of mentor me and so on. And I uh, phoned around and uh, people said, oh, what about this guy, David Jones? And so we hooked up. We met every Thursday for uh, 14 years or 15 years uh, when we were around and... uh, he was just such a great help to me, and we actually developed a partnership. And uh, through influences of Philip Jensen and those sort of guys, um, uh, Cole Marshall and so on, we uh, we sort of started thinking about discipleship, running MTS, MTS conferences, and then also church planting. And we decided, well, let's see if we can plant some churches together. Uh, and uh, the first one was a combined uh St. John's Presbyterian and Kingston Reformed Church plant uh, called uh, Crossroads, and uh, and uh, then we went from there. And I think over the years, uh, Vision 100 planted perhaps 10 to 12 churches.
1: Uh, and so what made that partnership work well uh, between Kingston Reformed Church and the Prezzies?
2: Uh Well, it was a partnership, first of all, of the leaders, David Jones and I, we just really um, uh, fed off each other, encouraged each other, prayed together and had this common vision. Uh, The challenges were getting our elders and uh, (laughs) the the classes, the two, you know, the presbytery and the classes on board so that we could actually do this thing jointly. And we did that carefully, uh, explaining exactly what we were doing and how it would unfold because people would ask, well, is it a reformed church or a presby church that we're planting? And uh, in the end, we said, well, uh, the, the leader who is, if he's, a Presbyterian leader, it'll be a Presbyterian church, and if it's a Reformed church leader, it'll be a Reformed. So in this case, it was David Jones leading that particular church plant, and so it became a Presbyterian church. And the classes and the presbytery both agreed to it, Mm. which thankfully, but, you know, careful communication Mm. about what we're doing and how it'll unfold. Yeah. Yeah
1: definitely so you spent so you're in tasmania 15 years and then in sydney uh, currently nine years uh, at new life in blacktown uh, though and you've done like two different models as well of of planting i guess you would say so in tasmania it was a hub church plant model for those of us who don't know can you explain that for us
2: uh well i i, I like to think of it like the church in ephesus you have Paul going to Ephesus. Mm. And then from that, he's got a training center and then he shoots off like a strawberry plant, lots of uh, church plants off from Ephesus. And that's, you know, that was the sort of model that uh, I was looking at. And the, the hub has some real good advantages in that you actually can share resources, administrative resources. You can support uh, the church plants financially for a period of time. Uh, there wasn't any denominational support back then. So we actually needed that. And there was strength in actually working together as a team Uh, so the church planters plus the senior pastor uh, working together as a team and you had support prayer support from the mother church so uh, that's the sort of model we used we did eventually institute those some of those churches the stronger ones Um, uh, but we still continue to work together uh, Struck financially uh, uh, with s- discipleship support and prayer support and so on. Um, so, so you kind of move towards a, a network a network of
0: churches model almost. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly which uh, right. G- gave you the benefit of of that shared.
2: Shared resource. Yeah. You're you a bit of a serial planter, though, weren't you? In the sense that, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, we planted five churches all told. I was actually personally involved in three of those, where um, uh, I would preach in Kingston in the morning and then run the church plant of an evening and I did that for three of them for a year each mm-hmm. and then handed them over to somebody that we called into the work. Yeah.
1: That is, that's intense. That's a, that's a <laughs> it lot was
2: of a work. busy life. It was a busy life, <laughs> no, yeah. That's great. And though. I dragged Ingrid along so I'm very <laughs> yeah. thankful for her support. <laughs> she came to each one of those and did the children's ministry in each one of those and she's really good at that. So yeah. that was very helpful.
1: For this model, is there someone you would recommend um, having a certain set of gifts or strengths or wiring?
2: Uh, Well, you've got to be – well, first of all, you have to be – all the things that we know, we have to be gospel clear, Mm -hmm. uh, convinced about church planting – uh, prayerfully dependent on God. Uh, but then you also have to be able to see an idea and and put it into practice. So there's a sort of skills of managing and and uh, vision casting and communicating that well and trying to work out how that will work. I think that's a particular skill that Lord's sort of given me over years, um, where I can actually see an idea and then through research and and thinking and a lot of help from other people, put it into practice. Mm. And make it work. So that's that's critical. Uh, there's also, I think, a need to manage the expectations of the mother church. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did have a little bit of pushback towards the end of my time there on church planting because we did so many in such a short period of time. Um, And I think uh, I should have, and because I I was involved at Bay, Bay was the last church plant that I I actually led that for seven years while looking after the mother church as well. So I did those two together for a period of time. I would preach at uh, at at 9.30 at Kingston and then 11 at Bay. So, So... I think I robbed Peter to pay Paul a bit. Mm, mm. It wasn't a real real good thing. I probably should have called somebody into that work. Mm. Um, but it was hard to find people. And I really enjoyed the planting work as well. So, uh, <laughs> And Bay grew nicely through that time. So maybe, um, as I said, managing the expectations of the Mother Church, I didn't do that terribly well and didn't probably spend enough time uh, working on that and clarity and communication. And so, so
0: by the time you leave... Uh, Kingston Reform Church in in Hobart. Uh, the church has a number of different centres. A number of in, it's a network of a network of churches, and the the centre church has sort of three hundred and fifty. Um, you know, people regularly gather, gathered on a Sunday. You decide to leave uh, Hobart, you know, one of the most beautiful parts of uh, of Australia, mm. and head to Blacktown mm. to do revitalization. Another one of the
1: most beautiful, one of the most parts, beautiful of parts of
0: Australia. Well, close to. I think Good the mountains you, are beautiful. There's lots of beautiful aspects. <laughs> Look,
1: it's great. It's, it doesn't have to be beautiful. That's okay. The people
0: are. <laughs> <laughs> um, the church is about 100 150. It was an old church, like uh, an older. Uh, church um how how does revitalization
2: compare to you know the energy the excitement of of church planting uh well uh there are the same givens gospel clarity you know need to disciple people Mm. all those prayerful dependence on god all those same givens are there um and uh when you look at the difference i i I like i like to think of it as being uh, revitalization is more working from the inward towards the outward whereas church planning is often the other way around working from the outward to the inward so with revitalization you've got culture change that needs to happen in the church Mm. and you need to get gospel clarity and you need to get people on mission so you're working from inward inward to outward and trying to get that sort of clarity and mission starting to to happen Mm church planning you are you've got a team that's keen on actually getting out there and doing the mission wants to reach people with the gospel but and as the church grows you need to put pathways structures in place and so you're working as I said more from outward to inward in that sense yep yeah yep.
0: so uh, in terms of um, in terms of the the person that's well suited for that you know you' you've you've managed to do both the starting and the restarting um,
2: it's interesting, isn't it? Like uh, I was reading um, uh, "Embers to the to a Flame," you, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Reader, I think, and uh, he talks about uh, you know uh, both Jesus and the Apostle Paul having a heart for revitalization. So Jesus in Revelations 2 and 3, speaking to the church, mm. Paul going around strengthening, writing lots of letters uh, to the churches, really saying, actually, you got these things wrong. You need to focus back on the gospel or you need to get this uh, mission going properly, you know, Ephesians and Colossians and so on. And and, mm. and so the, there's, there's a sense in which both are biblical. So the church planting thing, you see very strongly in Acts. Yep. And then the revitalization, you see very strongly in Revelations and the epistles and so on um and and uh it's exciting to see that so both are really important work Uh, both i think require a very strong overlap of skills Uh, again you've got an idea we need to bring church health to bear Mm. and you now need to work out okay what are the steps that you need to take what are the key things that will make a difference what are the watershed moments Uh, or the key watershed things that you need to change Mm. uh, to make sure that the church will actually get out of its traditional sort of focus into a true gospel-hearted outward focus. Mm. Yeah.
1: So uh, to be devil's advocate, why would you, if you could keep church planting and keep starting new churches, uh, I guess why would you go to a church that is existing and... It, it seems harder to join something that's established and turn the culture around, as opposed to just starting fresh. Mm-hmm. So you've touched on it a bit, but because it it does seem more it does seem more difficult why than. Why not do the easy thing? You
2: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, you
1: know why why not? I guess yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I didn't find the church planning easy. It was actually hard work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Fair laughs> it was really hard work. and so.
1: But you've got a core cool team that are excited and we're going
2: Yeah, here. that's right. And you've got more people on board and, you, and in many ways you're... <laughs> although I think with revitalisation, when I came to Blacktown, uh, the church was in a bad state we might get to that a little bit later but but it was actually actually ready for something yep and so you come in with people having some expectation that you'll make some changes that's helpful i mean if you're going into a church which isn't ready yeah that's going to be really really hard isn't it uh, and they're very happy and very content just to stay where they are and i think there's plenty of churches around like that yep. i think that will be even harder Um, But, you know, the gospel always drives us in everything that we do. And, uh, you know, I I think that I, I like challenges um uh the lord you know i love the idea that the lord uses very ordinary people mm. like me and you and everybody to do his extraordinary work mm. i think that's just fabulous and we believe that the gospel is powerful to mm. bring people from life to from death to life mm. and so you know those two things we 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 believe those things mm. and i love to see how god actually brings that about now with revitalization as i said you've got lots of um uh positives about that. You've got people uh, uh, across generations. Hmm. You've usually got some older people in the church and you probably have a bit of a mix. Now we had at Blacktown, we had a lot of older people, but we also had some young people, but not much in between. All those middle group had left. Yeah. So, but you've got people there to start with uh, who are wanting something. Uh, Secondly, you've got resources like a building uh, you've got, um, you know, uh, lots of things there already which you can build on. It's just now actually f- what your focus is is actually getting the culture to change. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was called there. That's the other reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they called me. In our system, a church calls you to a, to a place and uh, so you think, okay, you're way up. Where is the greatest need? Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, that's a great need there in that church. So, and
0: it, it, I mean, it's, it's great seeing, uh, you know, Graham's now the senior pastor at yeah. uh, Kingston. Yeah. It's great to see the church continue to grow and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and thrive. Yeah. So, uh, so what was church like at New Life when you when you first got there? You touched a little bit on it, but describe the, uh, describe the scene.
2: Yeah. So, so it had been in decline for maybe the last 25 years. It, mm-hmm. it was a church of about 600. It was the biggest church in our denomination. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the last, um, the previous 25 years, it, it actually declined to about 130 in attendance. So it was, uh, it was sad. It was, um, uh, you know, people had lost. There were a lot of people had gone. Uh, it was uh, traditional, focused inward, um, and there had been a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, over the over the 15 years before that there were two significant pastoral failures by key leaders in the church so mm-hmm. it, it was really a damaged uh, church and yet there were people there who were, loved the word of god faithful godly people had no leadership yep uh, and that's really what they needed, some gospel clarity, leadership around that gospel clarity. Mm.
1: So, you, I mean, you touched on a bit with gospel clarity. Um, what were, what would you say are like the key things if someone was to go into a, to revitalise a church? What are the like first three, five things that it's like, do this before anything else?
2: Uh, well I can tell you what we did <laughs> in this situation <laughs> we actually did um, uh, renewal first we said actually we re, re, we need to renew the church and uh, the first step of that uh, was I really found that book by Harry reader really helpful uh, em of flame but was repentance uh, and the second uh, step was then so so I, I actually took them through I was I actually came in Uh, six months before they actually called me and and they wanted somebody to renew the church or to to work out what what we would do to renew the church. Mm. And so I started taking them through that process. So, you know, I'd go in and I'd I'd preach on repentance and what it meant for the church in this situation to, to do that and produced a life group study, which I gave to every member of the congregation to work through personally. Then we wanted clarity, refocus the church on the gospel uh, and on Jesus, um, and uh, so that was the second part of that. Uh, then re- re- focus on prayer mm-hmm. as well. We started saying, okay, we've really got to be much more prayerful as a church, and then look at the new name, uh, new strategy around the gospel and so on for the church and, and uh, you know, restructure the church. Mm-hmm. So that that's really where I
0: started. So it sounds like that you, that just happened overnight. You know, it was a six to twelve month process.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I came six months earlier. So, so, 2011, halfway through 2011, started yep. that process. Yep. At the end of 2011, I had this plan for a new name and new, and and we'd work through these steps yep. a month at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I came in March 2012. And it started implementing the plan that we'd agreed to yeah. as a congregation. So in February um, uh, in February we had a congregational dinner which actually uh, we put the plan to the whole congregation, walked through it, um, and uh, talked a little bit about life cycle of a church and all the rest of that stuff and and what was needed for the church to get gospel clarity and to get refocused. Uh, and then we split up into small groups around uh, in that congregational meeting to discuss the elements of the plan. And then we had a sort of a, a feedback and then a vote on it. And they all basically agreed. Mm. So, so that- one thing they disagreed on was I wanted to close down one week and open up with a new name the next week. Uh, but uh a few of the members said, Well, what happens to the members in between? Mm. They're floating or they're nowhere. they don't belong to the church. That's, we can't have that. So I decided to, to merge those two and open and close on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's
0: you, uh, you change the name of the church to new life, yeah, uh, refresh the facilities, yeah, so these are sort of you know simple, simple things, but they there's still a change process, yeah, that requires you know getting people on board, yeah. Um, and now, after sort of nine years, church has gone from sort of hundred to one hundred and fifty to two congregations. About three hundred. About three hundred. Yeah. So you've seen it in just that short period of time, double in size. So yeah, about five yeah. percent growth. Yeah. Um, each yeah. year. Yeah. Praise God. And, and it's been good. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. Under yeah. God. Uh, and before we came on, you shared the start of the year. You've got twenty, you know, twenty people in in your Connect course on so your members course. Yeah. And over the last six months, you've seen eight to nine people actually. Make professions
2: yeah, of faith. Yeah. 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 That, which is just, I, I mean, that's 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 great. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we not much happened during COVID, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't run Connect courses or anything like that during COVID. But, uh, you know, once uh, it's, we found that, I don't know, other churches probably experienced the same, but we found the number of visitors coming. Uh, has grown since COVID lockdowns and opening up again so that's Mm. been really encouraging and we've had these guys working on these guys doing profession of faith for probably the last year or so one guy was a a buddhist man uh, and his two sons who just rocked into the church and uh, uh, you know took them they've been with us a couple of years now took them through uh, basic christianity courses and so on and just discipled them and uh in in uh, January, late January, they did their profession of faith, and it was just wonderful. Mm. And he's part of the music team, and so he sang a couple of verses of a gospel song as part of his testimony, which is just really really gold. Mm. Have a look at the video; it's great.
0: So it, it's really helpful. Your comment early on to say you, you're moving people um, inward, inward to outward. Mm. So you've still got to do that that work of actually, uh, you know, getting people in God's word, realizing, you know, he. Here's who we ought to be as God's people. Here's the repentance that we need to make yeah. of a whole bunch of things. Yeah. But then, with the vision to actually reach the local community. Yeah. So you've had the church planting bug. You know, where did you know where did church planting sort of fit, or does church planting fit? Because you're you're a big church, you've got a good facility. Mm. Um, you don't necessarily need to church plant for a number of years. No. But when when did you sort of? Or have you introduced the idea of church planning to, to a church?
2: Yeah, yeah, so I, I think we're, we're on our fourth plan. We have two-year plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the, the first the first one was really about structure, getting some structural things, making some changes to the worship service, the structure of leadership and so on, and the new name and so on. Uh, the second one was about introducing more life groups and uh, discipleship, so mm-hmm. uh, sort of alternating between trellis and vine. The third one was more structure. And then, not solely, not completely it lined up like that, but then um, uh, th- this last one, uh, last two plans, we've had church planning on the radar. Yep. so start looking for um, uh, opportunities uh, where we might be able to plant a church and uh, do some demographic work and so on. and so that's been the last two plans. Uh, we're we're now in the uh, second year of our force plan. Mm-hmm. Um, And so um, it's been on the radar for probably two or three years in terms of just mentioning it as part of the plan. And I've just recently put a a paper to session saying we should seriously consider uh, moving that forward now Mm. and having a look exactly where we're going to be situated and and what's needed. Mm. So I'll put a proposal for church planning to the session. Yep. yeah, It's very exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> because, you know, healthy churches plant churches. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. guys are all on about that, but the, that, that's the reality. So if we're healthy, we will be starting church plant yep. churches. It mm. should be the fruit of growing yeah, as a growing yeah, another church. that's yeah. right.
1: What is one thing uh, over the years that you've changed your mind about?
2: Uh, I don't know whether I've had any major change of mind, but I've certainly grown a lot. And I, I'm, I must say, uh, I think of things like um, uh, I didn't give a lot of thought to structure and pathways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't give a lot of thought to outputs, all the things that we've been learning through you guys, which has been fabulous. Um, uh, but those things I, I see now as increasingly uh, important uh, to support the gospel ministry well. Yep. Yep. If you're ineffective in those areas, if you're not actually measuring how you're going. Then you don't know what you, where you're going. You don't really know what's happening. Uh, and uh, if you don't have effective structures, you can actually undermine good gospel work so that people don't feel they can belong or they don't, you know, can't connect with the church. So that's that's been a and and the other thing is teams, working in teams rather than rosters. Um, mm. That's been a real. Those have been eye openers to me as we've uh, unfolded things.
0: That's really, that's really helpful. So uh, structures, getting that foundation right, uh, thinking about outcomes, outputs, yeah, uh, and then uh, that final you know that final piece as well of uh, of teams, yeah. you know, really yeah. really working through the whole church. I just want to you you know church planning's hard, revitalisation's hard. One of the hard things often for a church to sort of move past the sort of two hundred barrier is actually to start that second service. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly in a in a church culture that values family, you know, of, of all the sort of reformed evangelical denominations, CRC the CRC denomination has the most, um, you know, kids, uh, you know, kids continuing on mm. or reti- mm. being retained. Mm. Yeah, that's the sort of stat. Uh, how hard how hard was it, or what are some, you know, steps, advice you can give for the pastor who, in order to grow, needs to sort of split that morning service into a a second service
2: yeah again i think it it depend it really needs gospel clarity mm-hmm. i mean why are we here as a church we're here to grow the kingdom by god's grace and uh, through his power and work uh, and that's the expectation we should have so more and more if we live out of that expectation as a whole congregation people will say yep yeah, that's that's right we probably need to do this mm. so communicating that really well and clearly um uh, uh, m- sentimentalism is a killer mm. in a church and i think you've got to be addressing that with with gospel answers uh, so you know, people sentimental about being together. Well, I mean, you'll be together in eternity. Uh, you know, you'll be able to enjoy that that fellowship, and there will be times when we <clears throat> still have opportunity to meet together. So it's not as if you're yep. going to be. So so that's you know that's how I sort of approached it and uh, try to encourage people to lift their eyes. Uh, so
0: do the, yeah, do that work of here's here's where we're going
2: uh, and here's why it matters. Yeah, that's uh, right. And keep pointing people towards that. Yeah, and address and... the sentimentalism that mm. creeps in. It's mm. mm.
1: good point. What's the one thing you want to say about revitalizing a
2: church? Uh, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great work. It's a biblical thing, and uh, you know we should be. And, and there are so many opportunities out there because we have so many churches in need of revitalization. So mm. uh, it's exciting work. It's good gospel work, uh, and the Lord wants us to be about it. Mm. Mm. That's great. Mm
1: you got to ask
0: me what's in the toolbox, man. No? Oh, I do. It's on the script. Oh, it is. I, yeah. Everyone out there knows the toolbox is coming. The <laughs> toolbox
1: is coming. And we get
0: the beautiful, you know, sound effect.
1: Well, the suspense is killing me. What's in the toolbox?
0: Uh, so I want to point to you to an episode of The One Thing, uh, episode number 135. You'll see a link in the show notes on uh, revitalizing an existing church. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you've heard uh, Brian talk a little bit about different church planning models Uh, There's no one size fits all and it often has to do with your capacity as a leader, but also uh, your context uh, and what's in front of you. So yeah, hopefully as you've listened to Brian, he hasn't said, you know, step A, step B, step. You know, step C. There are a number of different models. Um, so check those out. Understand the pros and the cons, and also what works in your um, ecclesiological tradition as well. Uh, and then, um, I, I know looking. You know, I've I've read the sort of uh, the, pa- the paper on on new life revitalization. You found Vine Project quite a helpful you I know, tool. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: there's particular aspects of that. You know, the phase reforming your own personal culture. And so working through that book with your elders, particularly when you need to do that heart change, um, is quite a helpful resource. And so having a book and resource you can go to rather than, you know, it's not Brian's, it's mm. not Brian saying this, but it's a book. Let's, mm. let's critique that book as well and, and, and let's learn from it as well. The final thing is uh, get, get a consultation. Uh, so, often having a, an outside person coming in can help you with that change process. They can say the harder things or just have a different um, viewpoint. So, it was really helpful to hear Brian just in this episode talk about coming six months before he actually came, almost to be a, an outside third party, mm-hmm. didn't have the history, was able to sort of say the hard things mm-hmm. and then people can forget. And then Brian can come hopefully, hopefully with a, with it. a readiness, you know, a readiness to be to be welcomed And so that I think that's really important to have that uh, that external voice. So often that could be within your denomination, but Reach Australia as well uh, can provide a consult
2: for you as well.
1: Mm. Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Brian. Mm, Thank you for
2: having me. I hope it's been helpful.
1: And uh, are you coming to the Reach Australia conference?
2: I am indeed. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I actually
1: didn't know the answer to that, so (laughs) that's exciting.
2: With my team. Awesome. That's great.
1: Well, we encourage you as well to come to the Reach Australia Conference this year if you're able to. It's 1 to 8 p.m. on the 18th and the 19th of May. We have nine state-based hubs across the country and we weren't able to meet last year, so it's even more exciting to get together this year. We have hundreds of people registered already, so we'd love to see you there.
0: I'm Scott Sanders.
1: I'm Madeline Galea. Chat, chat, soon. chat soon.